Welcome to Office Hours, a social science podcast produced by the Society Pages at the University of Minnesota. Join us for conversations with prominent scholars, writers, and researchers as we discuss their ideas. Come in! One of the fundamental tensions in the field of sociology exists between the deterministic forces of big social structures and the ability of individual people to recognize and act against those forces as they make their own way in the world. While sociology tends to deal directly in historical contexts, we also need the perspective of individual stories in order to understand what room exists for personal choice. This week's guest, Dr. Peter Hall, combines both the long view of sociology and the perspective of individual agency together in his forthcoming memoir, Growing Up, Red, White, and Jewish, The Personal and the Political. In our conversation, Dr. Hall takes that combination one step further as we discuss the work that telling a personal narrative performs in the lifelong construction of one's own sense of self, family, and place in the world. We then think about the autobiography as a sociological method and consider what memoirs can tell us, if anything, about social life. Peter Hall, welcome to Office Hours. Thank you, Matt. It's good to be here. Now, Peter, you write toward the end of your memoir that the meaning of sociology in and of your life is still evolving. And I'd like to start by asking how the process of writing an autobiography has contributed to that. For instance... You write a lot about your parents' affiliation with the Communist Party during the height of the Red Scare in the 1940s and 50s. Now, you could have very well framed your upbringing maybe as a constraint on the choices made available in your life, but you've instead written about what you call choosing radical parents. So what in your academic career has helped you to see your parents as a choice rather than, I don't know, fate? And is there a sociological lesson to be learned there? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> well, actually, I I use that uh, particular title because uh, a number of sociologists, when they um, talk to students about um, inequality and make the make the statement that the best thing you could do would be to choose your parents, which of course you can't do, um, obviously. So I was making a play on that. Um, but um, there has been some constraints as well as, as some opportunities and, and in various points in time I think I like a number of others um, have, have, have questioned uh, the commitment of, of their parents to the, to the party and in some way um, making that a number one priority over uh, perhaps raising the raising the children, um, and and um, I, when I thought about writing this, I I was responding to uh, the the latter kind of feeling of you know how could my parents have spent twenty five years doing this uh, in what turned out to be a very a, a very false promise, uh, and at the same time. Um, putting me in certain kinds of circumstances that I would not have chosen. But I decided in the course of, of, of doing this that um, I wanted to, not to focus on that part, but to focus on what, what they had done, 
during that period and how to understand that um, and to look at the times in which uh, they grew up and they made choices um, and they made commitments um, that in fact changed changed over time um, they like a number of other people left in the mid 1950s and went on to do um, other uh, things in their career which were uh, very very significant um, so but but what I decided to do uh, was to in fact locate um, being a sociologist to locate this memoir within uh, the context of what was going on at the at the time so growing up in Alabama uh, in Washington DC and New York uh, and then ultimately going to going to Berkeley those were all very different places uh, and it was also very different times in which that uh, in which that happened. Um, I was born in 1934 and I got my PhD from Minnesota in 1963. So um, there were a number of things clearly that happened during that period. So what I have tried to do is to, in the chapter, let's say about growing up in Alabama to talk about uh, what the South was like in the mid-1930s, uh, what the Communist Party was doing in Alabama in, in the 1930s, uh, how, that was, how that was received, and what, my, what I remember about that. So it's my sociology that's, that's informing the autobiography. Hmm. Um, and uh, a number of people who have read it uh, interestingly, their responses were, let's get to the meat. We want more about, you know, yourself. And I'm trying to uh, put this in, the, in, in, the, in, a, in a broader context. Um, but I do think in the course of, of doing this, um, I've, I've spent a lot of time in my uh, family genealogy. Um, and of course, it's... Uh, it's interesting, to, at least to me, and I hope to others. Uh, my mother was a Latvian Jewish immigrant, and my father was a um, Southern Mississippi, Alabama, uh, came out of a, a, a Southern Baptist uh, tradition. Uh, so to do a family history of, of and genealogy gives me much greater appreciation of, uh, of the family as an institution and how it how it has evolved over the uh, over the time period. The other part of of uh, it, of this is I've learned a lot about what was going on during the depression, what was going on during uh, World War II, um, and reading much more uh, about um, what went on during the McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy period. Um, so my sociology now in the, uh, is is much more uh, filled in with the with the history of of, of the period. So, um, but in any case, I think um, the the 
uh, autobiography uh, is for me is a good way of of getting at context um, and I think as a sociologist context always uh, always mattered um, one thing I just would like to, to uh, uh, point out um, Tom Shibatani who is a, a leading interactionist uh, who was a kind of mentor to me, used to use biographies in his uh, symbolic interaction class and have students read a variety of them and then to, to focus on uh, the development of the, of the self, for example, um, or relationships, um, using that particular material. And I think autobiographies uh, actually they probably were autobiographies mm. work very well to to highlight those kinds of things yeah one of the things that I thought um, was really interesting in in your memoir in particular was well of course context is important but you also mentioned that um, you had not come out as uh, someone with a communist family background until you were about 60 years old <laughs> I'm a coward <laughs> <laughs> well I just think um, beyond the idea of historical context there's a, a particular space in this autobiographical work where you talk about making choices about the context that are important in your life and I wondered if maybe you see that element of maybe a sociological autobiography being particularly different from doing say a history of the time period oh yeah I mean clearly there's a um, there's a very personal uh, element of it which I think gives it more humanity and, and more reality for example one of the things that uh, I pointed out is um, as a as a teenager in Washington DC in the in, in the late 40s um, to uh, and and the housing development where we where we lived had a number of, of lefties uh, uh, living there and had been written about in the Washington Post as a nest of reds um, to to be called or to have the label of being un-American um, was in fact uh, at least to me a a real shocker and a and a very very strange thing to happen, um, and and that clearly had some effect on on what I would share with others and 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 what was was not to be talked about and how I would play my role in school um, where um, I, I chose the class clown. Maybe I didn't choose it, but uh, it it may have come naturally. But uh, I I I played that that role, so uh, I was not a I was not a threat to anybody. I wasn't getting involved in political arguments. Um, while I did, in fact, share my parents' beliefs at that at that particular uh, uh, moment. So um, yes, I I would agree that the. It's it's very different when you 
to write about yourself in that in those contexts as opposed to simply writing the writing the history but those mm -hmm. contexts clearly shaped the the personal um and 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 I think that's you know continually important to make um, that. Um, for example, I, I think I mentioned may have mentioned it in that in that piece. In 1943, um, I was asked by the director of the YMCA. I'm a nine-year-old. Uh, if if I would give a talk at a, a father-son banquet about what the what the why means to me. Now, in 1943, the World War II was going on and we were, uh, the Russians and the U.S. were uh, allies uh, at that point. Um, communists were not being attacked so much. Um, and so it was, a, and there was a liberal period in Alabama, if you, if you can believe that. Um, and so, and so I could I could be chosen to do that at that point in time. Five years earlier in 1938, that would never have happened. Mm. The, the party was under uh, huge, huge attack. Uh, people were being beaten up. Uh, friends of the family were were beaten very, very severely. Uh, and then five years later in 1948, it wouldn't have happened either. Um, so I think the point about context and, and time period and the the effect on the person, uh, as it was on on on, on me at that at, at that time, I was very happy and proud, and my mother was 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 ecstatic that I had been chosen to to do the talk. I don't know what my father thought, but he was there. He was he was there. Um, so uh, yes, uh, very clearly the uh, the times are shaping what's going on, and you're responding to the uh, to those to those times, and that's that's the story that that uh, I'm trying to tell, and and in fact, uh, I think is the way in which uh, these kinds of memoirs ought to ought to go if they if they're going to work. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to take maybe a huge leap forward um, to see how uh, context has influenced your work in particular in, in sociology. In 1994, you received the George Herbert Mead Lifetime Achievement Award from the Society for the Study of Symbolic Interaction because you helped to bring a symbolic interaction framework to large historical and political forces. So for listeners who might not be familiar, could you tell us a little bit about symbolic interaction approaches to sociology and how you began using it in new ways? Um, typically, the, the way in which symbolic interaction was, was introduced and, and thought about in, in sociology was the contribution of, the, uh, of analysis of, of the self uh, and socialization. Um, and um, so stu students heard a lot about the I and the me, um, uh, and they're always getting confused about that. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, and, and that was 
built on on interpretations of George Herbert Mead's mind, mind self, and society, um, and and um, it, it the symbolic interaction was was conceived as being very micro, being ahistorical, astructural, apolitical, um, and um, my background. Um, was one that made history and politics uh, and s structures um, very, very central. Um, so when I started to teach, uh, I introduced political sociology when I was at the University of Iowa in the uh, early 60, 1960s. And all of the materials that were, uh, were available were um, N not anything that was very interactionist. My advisor at Minnesota, Arnold Rose, uh, wrote about the power structure uh, in in the United States, and I was a research assistant assistant for him on that. Uh, but he never had a definition of power that was different. He never he never wrote about or talked about politics as, from an interactionist. Mm. Uh, perspective, and and so it was at that point. Uh, this is uh, mid 1960s that uh, I I decided that I wanted to try uh, to to do an interactionist approach to to, to politics. Um, at the same time, um, uh, many of us uh, who who came out of the uh, out of that particular party, uh, we go by the label. Uh, I don't know whether we all accepted red diaper babies, um, but uh, history and politics and uh, were were part of the part of the culture and part of what you were socialized. So I always had, um, uh, and my. By the way, my dissertation at Minnesota was on the self-conception of juvenile delinquents, and I labeled myself as a social psychologist and hmm. and taught social psychology. But teaching political sociology and being involved in a number of things in the 19, 1960s, um, history and politics and power and inequality were always pushing at me and um, nudging me and, and saying, hey, um, these things ought to go together, symbolic interaction and, uh, and history and politics. Um, and there also occurred, and this is, I'm moving ahead, in the 1970s, there were uh, a large number of interactionists who began to write about uh, larger order of things, not just the sort of social psychology, but uh, Howard Becker was uh, was doing art worlds, Anselm Strauss was doing the negotiated order, um, Harvey Farberman did a brilliant article on on the structure of the automobile uh, industry. Uh, Carl Couch had a book called Constructing Civilization. Um, and so I, I put all of those together uh, in, a, uh, in a way. Um, and in my presidential address at the Midwest 
Sociological Society in um, 1985, I think it was, um, I, I presented what I took to be an interactionist perspective on social organization. Um, but it was this merging of um, the, my own uh, upbringing and, and the kinds of things that uh, we were interested in as, as, as people trying to change the society hmm. uh, together with um, interactionism and I kept I kept pushing that particular envelope so I have three different pieces on conceptions of power for example um, and I have work that was done on, on the policy process across across space and time um, so um, hmm. the, the both the times and, and uh, my background and uh, the availability of, of symbolic interaction uh, to in fact uh, be open to this there, there's a very recent book um, by Jean-Francois Cote who's a um, a sociologist at uh, the University of, of Quebec in Montreal on George Herbert Mead, uh, which points out that, um, that he had a conception about society um, that was, and, and, and Jean-Francois expands upon this, that people didn't don't know about, or not very many people know about, that there is a uh, a way to analyze society and institutions, uh, not simply micro interactions that interactionists can can in fact do and in fact have done. Hmm. Um, so that's that's the um, um, the way in which um, my my upbringing, if you will, sort of uh, and my and my political commitments as well pushed me to uh, write in this particular direction um, and uh, in fact it's it's very much uh, interactionist um, as well as uh, moving into these uh, the larger perspective of institutions and time and space and so forth and so on. So I, I guess I'm curious um, because of your particular special um, background in symbolic interaction, uh, I'm curious if you've been thinking about autobiography as a sociological method. Um, are there concepts that autobiography is particularly well suited to teach us about the social world from a methodological standpoint? Um, yes, in a, in in a way that is that um, you get very real people um, writing about uh, writing about them themselves um, but um, we always I think need uh, we keep you know if if you're teaching introductory sociology and you want to make an argument about mobility and, and, and inequality you'll you'll always get uh, students who are saying, X, you know, this is my experience. What right. you're what right. you're talking about is, you know, garbage or nonsense. And 
you have to be careful about um, what, it, if you're talking about autobiography, what it is that uh, you can get out of an autobiography, but not necessarily see it as um, this is this is uh, what everybody else was was experiencing. Um, there happened. Uh, what's interesting to me is there were a, a large number of, for example, uh, autobiographies of red diaper babies um, and, and ex ex communists um, after um, 1956 and, and uh, up until uh, into the 80s. Um, you could look at those as a whole um, and make some some um, uh, conditional uh, conclusions that um, that where there were similarities and where there were were differences among the among the people who were uh, who were writing um, so I think that um, I, th I I think that that autobiography one one autobiography uh, doesn't doesn't uh, make the sociology, but in fact, if you had a number of them, um, you could you could use it very very well as a as a tool for uh, doing sociological um, analysis. I mean, there were in fact um, a number of institutions um, that kids growing up, for example, in New York or or San Francisco or Chicago. Um, where there was a there was a, a vibrant uh, a vibrant culture that they experienced um, and a, and a critical mass um, where so um, there is in fact a volume called red diapers growing up in the in the communist left and uh, one can read that and see the similarities of of what what people experienced. But I would be perhaps uncomfortable with saying, you know, one autobiography uh, makes some uh, major uh, conclusions. I think using, using uh, a number of them together would be uh, extremely, extremely helpful. I also think, you know, for me in what I'm writing is I learn, I've discovered a lot about my experience and my family and um, that is is helping me be uh, extremely extremely sensitive to um, some things sociologically that that I would not have have necessarily thought about for example um, my uh, both sides of, of my uh, parents families uh, did did not have anything to do with us for for and me for a number of, a number of years uh, for fear of of repercussions to them. So my sense of family became very truncated. I didn't have cousins. I didn't have aunts and uncles. And and um, after. Uh, the 1950s and even now more recently um, I have 
both gone back in history in terms of the family, but also had contact with with cousins. So um, having gone through the work of, of writing and then reaching out and and contacting these folks, and in fact, I found out that um, my my mother's mother had. Uh, six siblings that I did not know anything about, and there are cousins in Israel and and South Africa and and uh, um, and, and and other places that. Um, so my sense of family um, has been extended significantly uh, as a result of of uh, doing doing the the autobiography. So the sociologist uh, learns. Uh, and discovers as a result of this, and that informs his or her sociology. Hmm. Um, to finish up, I would I'd like to ask um, what your academic life has been like since uh, becoming professor emeritus in uh, two thousand. Because I think that's kind of a a position in academia that may not be very well understood by people on the outside. So so what is it like being a professor emeritus, and what what role do you see emeriti faculty playing at universities today? <laughs> uh, well, I keep getting comments uh, about the fact that I'm I'm giving a bad name to retirement. <laughs> um, well, I mean, uh, I I officially got the title, and, and it's mostly. Uh, um, something that automatically happens, although occasionally some people get denied uh, emeritus status, and it's just a sort of a marker of, of, of being retired. Um, but in, in fact, I taught for a couple of, a couple of years after that, and I started a symposium on life science and society uh, at Missouri. Um, and um, after about 2005, I wasn't I wasn't doing very much uh, sociologically, although I was working on the on the memoir. Um, what happens, at least my my perspective, is that um, it's not infrequent that once sociologists get become emeritus, that they sort of disappear. Um, from the the roles of the of the department or the or the university, my office space got increasingly smaller at <laughs> at, 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 at at Missouri and finally disappeared. So um, and you sometimes you get cut off from email. Um, so and and many and, and I've had friends who, who who when they retired they simply retired and went off into um, uh, different places, whether it was um, uh, into um, Georgia O'Keeffe country in New Mexico or, or Monterey, California or Northern California. Um, but universities, I think, uh, because they hire new people and they don't have room for the, for the emeritus. And, um, so it's it's and I think that's what's having some impact on this uh, retired sociologist network in the in the ASA 
which is some way to keep doing what it is uh, you're doing and some kind of support for what you're doing. Hmm. I have a very, very unusual situation, which was that moving to um, uh, Fort Collins uh, in 2009 and um, finding a uh, sociology department that was happy to to have me and I have wonderful colleagues and I have office space um, and ask to teach and um, take part in, in uh, most of the most of the department activities and um, uh, interestingly enough um, I am um, becoming one of the a team of three of us are becoming editors of the sociological quarterly um, in in 2016 so I think my story is in a sense um, very different um, but being accepted here is has and having colleagues has encouraged me uh, and helped me to uh, um, to continue to do sociology which I might not have the resources to do if I if I were back in in uh, in in Missouri well I'm curious if um, if you would characterize your recent work as taking maybe an interdisciplinary turn a little bit with this this nod to autobiography or if being a professor emeritus allows people to become more interdisciplinary because they're not as I don't know marred down and disciplinary um, commitments uh, yes and yes and no um, Matt um, I I personally for uh, a long a long time have um, been very interested in in history for example mm. um, and um, my mother was an was an anthropologist an art married to an archaeologist um, and I at one point wanted to be a uh, wanted to be a a, 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 a biologist um, and so I've all of those um, things have been part of of, of my particular uh, thinking um, and my current work on in, on space um, and, and time has gotten me uh, obviously into uh, into geographers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I th- I think that I had a for a long time a, 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 an interdisciplinary uh, orientation. Oh, and, and I should mm-hmm. should mention this: my daughter is a, a teacher is a professor of creative writing. Um, so. Uh, she has um, uh, kept me uh, apprised and and uh, of works in English that I would uh, that I would be be interested in. So I think that's mm-hmm. that's you know sort of who I am. Um, but I but I think also um, given the the just focusing on environment, given the environmental circumstances of today and the uh, crisis around climate change and um, uh, north-south conflicts of um, uh, around uh, resources 
uh, I think should make all of us uh, academics uh, recognize the need to be need to be interdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. If we're going to work on sustainability, you can't simply do it as a sociologist. You can't simply do it if uh, if you're a natural resources person. You can't simply do it if you're you know if you're an ecologist. Um, it's it's going to take all of those uh, working together. Um, and it's always difficult. I mean, we've tried to be interdisciplinary a number of times, but I think the period demands it. Hmm. Uh, and whether it's, you know, through my doing it through my autobiography or now doing it through my uh, sociology in Colorado State, um, it's 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 essentially uh, an imperative to to be interdisciplinary. Hmm. Well, uh, if you're looking for Peter Hall's forthcoming memoir, it is called Growing Up, Red, White, and Jewish, The Personal and the Political. Uh, Peter, I thought it was fascinating, and I wanted to thank you for coming by today. Oh, it's been a lot of fun, Matt. Thank you very much. I, I hope you can make some sense out of all of this. <laughs> <laughs>